0: Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell.
3: Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with two amazing leaders that are taking on the issue that, um, you know, we're focusing on nationally. Domestic Violence Awareness Month is October and we are focusing on it today with first of all, the CEO of CORA, Karen Ferguson. And just to give you a little bit of Karen's background, Dr. Ferguson is currently the CEO, as I mentioned, of Community Overcoming Relationship Abuse, CORA. And that is a 45-year-old organization, the single provider of domestic violence services for San Mateo County. Um, And the agency's Programming spans from 24 by seven hotline, emergency shelter, rental assistance, legal and mental health services. Um, And she also serves on the San Mateo County Domestic Violence Council. Um, And prior to her position with Cora, uh, she led the Northern California offices for International Rescue Committee, IRC, uh, largest hub of refugee resettlement offices in the U.S., and, um, supported the resettlement of, of over 10,000 refugees within a five-year period. Uh, she's also a clinical psychologist and possesses a PhD in the, in the field, uh, from Brown University and, uh, her doctorate from Case Western University in clinical psychology. She's also a speaker and a humanitarian and a social justice leader on, Karen. You've been doing so much. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then we have also an a, just a, a very brave soul. She's jumped on the call. We have Sakira Hassani, who has only been with the Safe Place for one month, but she is already an expert. She's standing in For Carolyn Russell, who is the executive director of A Safe Place, which is also leading domestic violence programming, this time in Alameda County, specifically in Oakland, but really reaching across the Bay Area to provide so many services. Um, I just want to say a few words about Miss Carolyn, who couldn't be here with us today, but is just a, a trailblazer as well, like Karen Um, She is a community leader leader, and an administrator and educator. She served the public for over 30 years and uh, specializing in nonprofit management, fund development, and strategic planning, um, and became the executive director of A Safe Place in 1984, has grown the organization, developing a shelter program, innovative teen dating violence program, and the integration of wide ranges of community education and outreach initiatives, including CalWORKs for Victims Receiving Public Assistance. And um, she has been instrumental in getting people in the faith community and also in the African-American community activated in this discussion, which is, uh, quite a feat i must say and so um carolyn uh, uh, is uh she has served in so many boards board of directors for the state coalition for battered women local femA board of directors technical advisory committee for state office of criminal justice planning first uh, alameda county family violence council and so on and so forth and just just um one of the ways that Cara- Carolyn and i have worked together is on the Oakland Violence Prevention Coalition, um, where she co-leads the gender-based violence committee and I'm the chair of the coalition. And so I um I just have a tremendous amount of respect for her and love for her and grateful that she has sent Sakira in. Um again, one month in, but she's ready for the radio show. So Sakira, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Of course. <laughs> um all right well this is such an important month to me um, as a survivor of domestic violence myself and um, someone who sees human trafficking day after day and sees the uh, inter- intersectionality of human trafficking with domestic violence. I am passionate about providing a platform for these empower- powerful programs. Um, talk about the services that they are offering oftentimes, which are preventative, preventing human trafficking from happening, getting in there before it progresses into productization of the relationship. And I want to just start off, uh, with you, Karen, if you don't mind, maybe just tell us a little bit about why are you, uh, what, what's your why? Why are you doing this work? And why do you get up and, and stand up? For survivors of domestic violence, every day,
1: I think um, the the why for me is just a complicated interweaving of you know how we all are raised and see the world around us. And I um, was raised from early on to look at women's issues and women's empowerment, and in that process. Started to see the incredible vulnerability that our society ends up placing, oftentimes, specifically women, although now we're so much more aware that um, it is not always gender based, sex based, it is um, trans individuals, LGBTQ, but people who are vulnerable. And so I came into my life in clinical psychology with an interest in wanting to be a voice for people who who were vulnerable. And um, I don't know if I told you this story Vanessa but very early on in my career I was working in the South Pacific. This is how I ended up getting involved with refugees because there was a group of Sri Lankan refugees who had been trafficked to American Samoa. So they had been trying to flee Sri Lanka. They thought they were in hands of somebody who would bring them to the states. That person did not. That person forced them into labor across many islands throughout the South Pacific and then abandoned them in American Samoa, which doesn't have immigration. And so I met them. And it was my first time to really sit with people. I remember walking on the beach with this young Sri Lankan woman who had just a smile that would like gleam and light up her face despite the fact that she had been for four years under house arrest with no hope of any movement to solve this problem of having been trafficked and then abandoned in American Samoa. And she was my age and we would walk along the beach together. And I looked at her and said, it's just by sheer fate that I am me and she is she. And truly my proudest moment in life was um, working with refugee services and getting that group of Sri Lankans who had been trafficked onto planes and resettled to New Zealand. Wow. So, yeah. So that that changed my life, mm. that experience of trafficking, of women who had been in a very vulnerable situation, who were taken advantage of, and refugees. And so I started my career that way. And unfortunately, you realize very early on that in that process, one of the ways that people are vulnerable is within our intimate partner, um, you know, environments, that what happens behind closed doors in many countries, as people come to the United States, when people have stress, um, all of that is um, why I decided I, everything that had led to this shaped me And I had to be a voice in that. An incredible honor. I've been doing this work for 25 plus years um, now. And um, every person I meet in that path who has ended up in a situation of victimhood is also an incredible survivor and has taught me so much about how we see the world and how the world creates oppression, how society creates oppression. Um, And how we have to be connected together if we're going to help people get out of it. So I don't know. That's a very long answer to why I have to be here in this work.
3: Absolutely. Um, And wow, I didn't know that you hadn't told me that story. So here we are Um, just kind of going back and forth. Um, You know, I want to talk about uh, I I saw a movie and and we're going to take a break here in just a second. But I saw a movie over the weekend. I don't know about you guys, but. I see, I see, you know, you know, there's I see dead people. I see traffic people and I see domestic violence people everywhere I go. It's just my lens. I I select movies and I think I'm, I'm selecting a movie and it has nothing to do with these topics that I deal with. And then there I am watching. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is about exploitation. This is about domestic violence. How did this happen? So I watched a movie this weekend called Infamy. And it was all about a, um, you know, a it was filmed in Europe and it was all about um, a Romani um, girl who was being sold off at the age of 17 to her, um, you know, to save her family. And um, and she was in a, in Poland. And um they were being heavily discriminated against. And I was just mesmerized by the disempowerment of the women in that community. Um they were empowered and and really amazing women, and yet at the same time, because of the cultural oppression and the the, the you know, the traditional oppression of women in their culture, they couldn't speak out. And there was the mo- the whole series. I hope I'm not doing a spoiler alert here, but The whole series is about that. I won't tell you all the details, but it struck me that the mom was hated at times for selling off her daughter. And yet I felt so bad for the mom because the mom was so heavily disempowered. She could not really truly advocate for her daughter to not be sold off. And it it was just... um, This dilemma that I it's it feels like what you were just describing there in Sri Lanka, where, you know, when you have these places of gender based violence, um, you know, it's often where places where women have been disempowered and um, and, um, you know, are are just trying to survive. So, okay. I got to stop because I'm giving you a whole movie review here. But um, we're going to come back. We're going to get Sakura in here. I want to hear about a safe place. I want to hear what her why is, why she's doing this work. And so we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
0: For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages.
3: Starting this week, Operation Christmas Child will host Project Leader and Kickoff Countdown events throughout the Bay Area. Come learn how this program collects Christmas gift boxes from your churches, businesses, and community and distributes them to children in need worldwide. These boxes are filled with toys, school supplies, and hygiene products by people like you who want to make a difference in children overseas and their lives. Who These are children who may have never received a new gift before. Did you know that since 1993, nearly 540,000 volunteers worldwide have delivered over 209 million gifts to children in over 170 countries? In 2023, Operation Christmas Child uh, would like to reach another 11 million children in their 30th year of ministry. At their events, you'll be able to meet regional team members and learn how to work with others in your community to make a gift box and spread the word. Learn how children hear the gospel and become disciples of Christ. At some of their events, a guest speaker who has received a gift box will share their touching and personal testimony. And so you wanna mark your calendar, September 23rd in San Jose, join in. Or visit SamaritanPurse.org forward slash OCC for time, date, and location information and click on the Project Leader Weekend picture. Uh, Excited for you to get involved in this wonderful ministry and so grateful that Love Never Fails can do our part to promote the love that is being provided to so many children across our world. Merry Christmas!
0: Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Sakura Hassani, who is a new member of the Safe Place team uh, standing in for Carolyn Russell, the uh, executive director of that organization. And also we have with us Karen Ferguson, the CEO and leader of Cora. And we're just talking about domestic violence in um, Tribute. To October, the month of domestic violence awareness. Um, so I want to come to you, Nelsa Kira, and learn more about your why. Why are you doing this work? Why is this important to you?
2: Yes. Hi. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, the reason I'm doing this work and, you know, I came to a safe place to apply as an employee is because I believe in what this agency does for the community. Um, here in the Bay Area, for many, many moons, There is this uh, thing where women are being trafficked, not only women, but children, men as well. But primarily what I see in my community are young women or women who are alone, don't have any support and can be easily manipulated and influenced. And, um, you know, growing up here in the Bay Area, I've seen it time and time again. And it's always been disheartening. I have people that I've gone to school with or even in my family and in my neighborhood who have either directly or um, been a victim of human trafficking. And it's just something that, you know, I'm not the I'm not saying I'm the solution, but I want to be a part of the solution. Just knowing the things that I know and being able to identify. You know someone who may be struggling, trying to get away from an abuser um and then also how it relates to domestic violence and here being with the safe place um you know we are a domestic violence agency, we offer counseling, mental health, and legal services to uh people who are and could be victims of trafficking and so I'm just here to make a difference, and I'm tired of seeing the same. And it it really hurts. You know, I don't even know all of these women, but it literally hurts.
3: So, you know, one of the things that I know Carolyn is very passionate about is reaching into faith organizations and also the African-American community uh, because of the stigma that is often uh, found there, um, you know, a hiding that it happens in both communities um, when domestic violence is happening. Um, do you have uh, you know I know that's part of her her hope and and in, in bringing you know a safe place into those spaces um do you see that there is that kind of inclination to hide in those spaces and and what are you guys doing to address some of that
2: yes um i, I do see or'm able to recognize the hiding um you know, trying to make it seem as though it's something other than what it really is. And a lot of that is um, the mental, the impact that it has with the mindset um, of the perpetrator versus the the victim. Um, sometimes the victim is so far damaged or, you know, controlled mentally that they're not able to really see you know it for what it really is and so you know those are where our counseling sessions really come into handy you don't have to be a member or um someone that we're actively housing at a safe place in order to use our counseling services they are free and available to the public and that's just our whole initiative here is to support as many people as we can who are faced with these type of difficulties that is our part is we were just wanting to make the counseling available to anyone and everyone who can take advantage of that
3: yes so counseling is so important um i know that you uh karen uh at cora you also offer counseling and and um i want to just ask this question because uh, sometimes people um, want counseling, sometimes they don't. Um, are there different types of counseling that people need at different stages in their healing process?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. And I think it's really important what Sakura was sharing as well, that it's so important across all of our agencies that everybody understands these services are free, they're confidential for everybody. So with Cora, in terms of mental health services, absolutely, we have a range of services because, that, you know, in, in different points in the crisis, you need different things. And you may be ready or not ready. And you may have to establish trust as we're talking about, depending on who that therapist is going to be, seeing if that therapist, um, you know, for a lot of our um, clients that we serve, they're Spanish speaking. So do we have a Spanish speaking therapist? which we absolutely do. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of dealing that out. So we have advocacy services, which are really about making sure that people get connected to all of the different programs, whether that be food um, or other cash assistance, help with utilities, all of that. Um, and then we have um, also services that are specific to mental health, which includes assessment. And then also individual uh, adult and also a lot of children's and groups programs really need a lot of help in this. And often parents are able to understand and know that maybe what they most want to focus on is their children, which also Mm -hmm. gives them a chance to come in and start to learn about our mental health services. So we have tween groups, we have teen groups, we do them by Zoom, we're doing things in person again. Um, we have, uh, family programs, which, where the parent and the child are together in mental health services. We're really helping the parent to help the child. So it's so important that there be a wide range of services and we do everything we can to create that, um, that, that, that whole uh, broad spectrum.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: You know, um, I'm so glad that you brought up the children and um, because domestic violence, gender-based violence, human trafficking, it impacts not just the individual, but the whole family. And um, sometimes that that point is missed on, on us. You know, we just think it's about just the one who's being harmed. But, you know, there's so many data points. In fact, um, statistically, uh, when you look at um, DePaul School of Law did a study of exploiters, and what they found is that 86% of those that were exploiting people were in homes where domestic violence were going on. And what that spoke to me is that when a young man, and these were all boys that were uh, uh, all, all that were surveyed, when a young man observes his mother being beaten, he, um, you know, th- there's a lot that happens to him emotionally, psychologically, um, and a lot of it unchecked and uncared for, uh, creates a numbing and a, and a, and a coldness of a heart, a young man's heart that, um, that will show up in society later on. And so the, the prevent, the fact that you guys are providing that preventative care, not just to the survivor, but to the whole family is so, um, so amazing. We're going to take a, a quick break and we're going to come back. Um, I want to talk about some, statistics, um, you know, so that people know that uh, this is not an anomaly, you know, but this is something that is happening um, right here across the Bay Area in San Mateo County in Alameda County and across the Bay Area um, frequently. And um, so uh, hopefully uh, that will inspire all of us to get more involved. We're going to come right back and thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
0: To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors where you will find peace in your daily life the teachings of Jesus. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio today with Karen Ferguson, the CEO of Cora, servicing the San Mateo County area with domestic violence care, advocacy, housing, counseling, legal services, and we have Secura Hassani with a safe place servicing Alameda County in the Greater Bay Area with the same. And so we're so grateful uh, to have them both on. And we're just talking about, you know, what is what does domestic violence look like? How does it how does it affect different groups, including the whole family? Right. And so I wanted to talk a little bit, just um, highlight a few stats here um, I have a stat that, and this one may be a little dated, but I think, you know, it just gives you an idea. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. And during one year, that equates to more than 10 million women and men. Um, I have another stat that says here, one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence and that is you know, violence or partner stalking that creates an injury or post-traumatic stress disorder or perhaps the contraction of trans- sexually transmitted diseases and so we see that this is happening at a very frequent rate and to you know men women alike and gender nonconforming individuals uh, alike and um, I want to um, just ask you all, um, do you serve uh, the a whole range of, of survivors? Like, do you serve men that are victims of domestic violence as well? Um, and are there differences in some of the scenarios that you see that come in if someone's listening and perhaps they are a male identifying person and they say, you know, I, I've i been harmed, too. You know, what, what, what do you say uh, to them?
1: Our services are absolutely open to everybody. Um, I'll add to your stats that one in two trans individuals, um, experiences intimate partner abuse in their relationships. Um, mm-hmm. so it is vital that we create a welcoming, um, access to everybody. So whether it's our hotline or our safe houses, our mental health services, all of them are open to anyone who is in need and has, um, been a victim, a survivor, um, of abuse. Um, and, uh, I think it's, I think the issue really is making sure that we really do open that access. I think that's the hard thing. I don't, I think the services are really, people have been victimized, but I think it's making sure that everybody feels like they have a place to go.
3: Yeah. What about you, Sekira?
2: Uh, yes, um, here at a safe place, we support everyone, and uh, that's men, women, children, trans, everyone. Um, we do our best to accommodate them all.
3: The interesting, you know, sometimes I get this question when I was running the gender-based violence committee for a VPC uh, prior. Um, you know that some of the folks we we had to spend a lot of time talking about. Gender-based violence. Like, what does it mean? What What does it mean? Gender-based violence. Uh, how do you identify, How do you define gender-based violence, Karen?
1: So it's interesting, and I think you know within the field there's so many different terminologies that we're all working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so intimate partner abuse, mm. and we say that for some very specific reasons. So we say abuse, not violence. Because the, the, the violence is often not only physical. And we need everybody to understand that, that there can be incredible financial abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse that can happen. And people can say, well, but there's no bruises. So it, it's not domestic violence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just as I was saying, in terms of that access, you know, when we say domestic, we're starting to imply something that is a legal definition that has nothing to do with the fact that two people are struggling with a dynamic of power and control of one over the other. And so mm-hmm. for us, in order to approach it from that place of power and control as openly as possible, we've chosen that intimate partner abuse. It's a, it's a challenge. And it's a, I think it's something we're all work, working through, Vanessa, about like, is it? Do we define it as gender-based? Do we define it? How? What are these words, and what do those mean, and where do those create constraints for the person on the the receiving end?
3: Yeah, I think for me, I'll just say that one of the challenges I've had is we spend so much time defining what it means that we don't actually get to the work and uh, and coming up with the strategies, and so um, that's been a little bit of a uh, challenge, uh, you know, in running those kinds of committees is like, you know, but just in the simplest format, I would say when your gender, um, the gender you were born with or the gender you identify with, um, is, um, is used as a way to control you or harm you or, um, to prey upon that gender as a, you know, as a gender that is maybe being systemically oppressed, um, uh, things like that. So it's, that's the simplest way I've been, been able to articulate what does it mean to be gender-based? I much prefer intimate partner violence though, as a, I mean, it just a real more, more clear, like this is, I'm in a relationship. Uh, I, I'm not going to define what kind it is, but someone's hurting me. And, uh, So, uh, but that I I I love that. Anything to add, Sakira? Do you have a different spin on this?
2: I mean, my take on gender-based violence is is just what it it sounds like, or you know what it means is someone who is attacking another gender simply because they are a man, or because they are a woman, or because they're trans. It's a hate for that particular gender. And, um, we are here to support anyone who is facing something like this. Um, it's just really unfortunate, but it does exist. And so that's where we are here to step in and, you know, show people something other than what they've been dealing with.
3: Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always like to say, um, I don't care. You know what what people uh who who someone is, I really don't. I don't care their race, their religion, their gender, their gender identity, any of that stuff. Uh the first thing must be uh their wellness, their that they are safe. And so valuing a safety of an a person, you know, as a you know, as you guys know, we're a faith-based organization. Uh, That is a value that I hold very strongly, that everyone has the right to make their own choices. Uh, Even God gives us our own choices. So I appreciate that you guys are advocating for everybody that you can get your hands on. And um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. There's a few things I want to throw into the mix here. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but California right here right now coming back to infamy I'm sorry I'm on this track here but it's just in my head did you know that child marriage is legal in the state of California we've got a lot of strange things going on and um and it's actually legal in 42 states in the United States it's not just California just want to make sure that's clear so it's only illegal in eight states in our country um these Uh, This is absolutely a cross connect of human trafficking and domestic violence. And and I just find it interesting that these kinds of systems are allowed to continue. Um, And um, so I thought I would throw that out there as we go into a break. We're going to come right back and hear from you. And thanks for listening to Love Never Feels Radio.
0: For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages.
4: This is Dr. Miluna Fauch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success.
0: Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, are in the studio today with uh, the CEO of Cora, Karen, and uh, one of the leaders at A Safe Place, Sakira. And I'm so grateful to have them both here. And we're just talking about Domestic Violence Awareness Month, the month of October, and uh, various topics. And so what are your thoughts? You know, there's these systems. I, I brought up, you know, child marriage because it's a an example, uh, and there are lots of them, uh, systems of oppression that women in particular are faced with. And so it is, you know, I, I was looking at the stats. Just let me just rattle them off one more time here. Forty two states allow marriage with a parental or judicial waiver. Twenty states do not require any minimum wage, age, sorry, <laughs> any minimum age for marriage with the waiver. Only eight states have set 18 as the minimum, and California is not one of them. What are your thoughts?
1: I learned about this many, many, many years ago. It's horrifying. I think what it shows is how much as a country we have this tension between wanting to have individual privacy and having a government that focuses on being a safety net for the best interests of our most vulnerable. And it is a tension, but, you know, we've learned so much, like nobody, <laughs> very few people would say child marriages just definitely makes a lot of sense now. But we have this on the books and mm-hmm. when it comes in it. I think it starts to show what some of the issues are with intimate partner abuse. Like mm-hmm. we start to trip over ourselves about. Recognizing that what's happening in the household is our business. And if we're going to say that we will protect child, children from child abuse, we're going to say things like smoking are a bad idea. If we're going to say we need to do suicide prevention, then we need to get in there as well and say when one person is exerting extreme power and control over another person in a way that is harmful and impairing of that other person's livelihood. Then that is our business, whether it's behind closed doors or not.
3: Yeah. I mean, I just can't help but if you're if, if you think that is okay to to endorse that, how much more? I mean, why wouldn't it be okay for someone to have sex with a 16-year-old? And why wouldn't it be, you know, or a 13 year old um that they're not married to? And, you know, it's like this slippery slope where, you know, and then if they're saying they're saying he's hitting me, you know, but you're allowing him to have sex with the, her, you know, 16, 15 year old. He's raping her, but he's hitting her. I mean, so why would you care? And, you know, abuse is abuse, right? So it's just, what do you think, Secure? Am, am, am I off base here? Or am I, you, know, you know, challenge right.
2: me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. I feel like it opens up the, you know, gateway to, Allowing people to think that, uh, you know, underage sexual relationship or abuse is okay. If someone thinks that underage girls marry older men, um, you know, with a piece of paper or a document saying that they can get married, well, what's the difference if I don't have the document, you know? um, It's really, like you said, a slippery slope. I think it should... (laughs) be admonished, like done away with. So yeah, I'm just finding this out today and I'm disgusted by it. But I'm
3: sorry, I didn't give you any <laughs> free warning. I know, you know, Rima Nashashimi, who's the CEO of Global Hope 360, she laid this on me, uh, you know, last year and I was already inflared about something else. And she said, yeah. and I'm like, sorry, but, you know, so some of us don't know these things and we're working right here in the field and there are things that are being, you know, laws that are being passed and, um, things that are being sort of opened up that are going to place people in a lot of, uh, danger and or are placing people in a lot of danger and in particular vulnerable women and children. And, um, it just mind boggling, um, so, you know, what, what do you think? You, I love that you said, Karen, you kind of talked about the cross section of, um, you know, people's privacy and and yet safety, privacy and safety. I see that coming up all over the place. How do you in, in that context? How do you, um, you know, balance that? Is it all subjective? How do you? How do you get your hands around that when you're talking about something like domestic violence? I think we just we
1: have to get the conversation like this radio show. We have to get the conversation out there just everywhere, everywhere that it has to be talked about. And we have to look at it because like this challenges cultural wars. You know, there are certain cultures that feel like the parents should be able to say who the person marries. And there can be also so this can go into all sorts of different directions. One of the things that Cora is doing is a campaign called Speak Up, which is um, going to different cities throughout the county and sharing with anyone in the business sector. So the nail salons, the chiropractors, the dentists, the fitness gyms, a 15-minute presentation. Let's make sure that you can recognize domestic violence, intimate partner abuse within your colleagues and within your customers, because if we get everybody talking about it, then People have to look at this and they have to start challenging this. And then there's conversation and conversation was is what's going to bring us to some different place. It's never going to be just an admonishment. It, it was a whole campaign that changed the tipping point of smoking. We were admonished for, what, decades about how bad smoking was. But it's when we finally had kids saying to their parents, you know, don't you want to be around for me when I when I grow up? that we started having that conversation change within
3: the household. I'm sure somebody is listening right now and they are maybe struggling. Maybe they're starting, they're getting to know somebody and there's some red flags that are coming up for them uh, that this might be a domestic violence uh, relationship, or this might be an abuser that is, is moving in on me. Um, What do you say? What are those red flags, Secura, that they should be looking out for?
2: For me, just from experience, speaking of myself and other people that I've come across, the red flag would be um, someone being overly, I don't know, how do I say, like, willing to do things for you when you're just meeting them or, you know, like love bombing, right in the beginning, right? Because it's like they want you to think they're this perfect person and they're going to roll out the red carpet for you and do all of these great things. I, for me, that's that's a red flag because it's like, why would you want to do that for anyone right away without really knowing them? Unless you have some type of ulterior motive, you know? Um, too much too soon. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Perfect way to put that. Too much too soon. I would say mm-hmm. that would be... Mm,
3: and a, a red flag, what about you, Karen? Give me a red oh, flag I, I
1: I love it Sekira, so that is one of our red flags. ultra controlling, gotta know where you are all the time, right uh, the extreme jealousy, isolating from mm-hmm. your family and friends mm-hmm. So besides the obvious physical bruises, those are exactly the red flags that we give and speak
3: up. Yes, good. Yeah, so I want. I just wanted us to hear that really quickly. I I, I remember I, we're going to go to break here, but I remember a woman that was doing my nails one day, and I looked down at her phone, and she had someone on Facetime the entire time she's doing my nails. Her husband or someone was on Facetime with her. I said, "That's not okay. Like she can't even be at her place of business, work in her booth." without him sitting there staring at her the whole time. That's freaky. That's weird, right? So, um, I, um, if it doesn't seem right, it's probably not right. So, um, I, I'm, uh, you know, the, for those of you who are listening in and thinking, uh-oh, I might be heading down a route that uh, I don't want to go, you can reach out to Cora to a safe place and get some counseling and, and process through it. There's nothing wrong with thinking it through with someone else who wants to support you. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with um, some ways that you might be able to connect with Cora and with a safe place. And so you'll want to listen in. We'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio.
0: To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell.
3: And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We have just been having a great time. Um, Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just um, let the listening audience know how they can connect with you and anything that you community events that you have going on that you would like them to plug into. Please feel free. Uh, Karen, would you like to start us off? Sure. So I'll start and end with our hotline number. 1-800-300-1080.
1: So that's the CORA hotline. And I loved what you said, Vanessa. Like, you can call. Just call. You have a friend. You're wondering. We're happy to chat with you. Um, Also, you can go to our website, www.corasupport.org, and there's a get help. So the very first uh, screen that comes up is get help and lists all of our different resources again, that hotline number,
3: 1-800-300-1080. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what about you, Sakira? How can people get in touch with a safe place?
2: So for just the general public looking for general information or wanting to even maybe volunteer, just ask simple questions. Our business office number is 510-986-8600, And for those who are in crisis, if you are needing an assessment for a shelter or maybe even legal or counseling support, we would ask that you contact us at 510-536-7233. And that is the number to our 24-hour hotline. Very good. Well, thank you both for being on the show. I just have a few more
3: um, things to share. So... Um, I wanted to just put out there that if you find oftentimes we find that domestic violence is the beginning of a trafficking relationship, an abusive relationship um, where all of those red flags present themselves. And then there is that question or that um, that forcing that happens. But oftentimes uh, the, the way that most trafficking victims are recruited is through uh, a time of grooming. Uh, where that relationship looks like a domestic violence relationship, I can't live without you. you know the offers uh, the love bombs as as Sakira mentioned um and all of the the ways that you get someone bonded to you and then You say, you know, I I need you to do this for me or um, uh, in more violent situations, you are just forced, um, you know, through uh, rape uh, to to engage in selling, um, you know, being sold. And um, so if you find yourself being um, and you want to, uh, you know, you need housing or you need uh, therapeutic care, um, you need job training. Um, you can reach out to uh, Love Never Fails at eight four four two four nine two six nine eight, 249 2698 and you can also learn more about our services on our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com. Um, we really value our partnerships, and so we're so honored, uh, Karen and Sakura, um, for you being here, for the work that you do day in, day out. I hope that you and your your uh, team members uh, take time to get self-care. I'm always I'm a, I'm a self-care pusher. I push it on my team all the time. So just taking time to make sure we are all well. Um, and again, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we have a few other events I wanted to remind the listening audience about on October the 23rd. We have our and um, our first I'm kind of excited about this first golf event and um, October 23rd, it is from 10 to 4:30, and it is at Crow Canyon country club. And um, uh, we have t- titled it, join us to take a swing against human trafficking. I love that. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's uh there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved. You can come kind of meet with us. You can actually golf. I'm not much of a golfer, but I will be there. Um, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get with the program here. So um, I'd love to see you there if you can come on out. And then uh, you can buy those tickets by going to loveneverfillsuscom forward slash events. Also, I want to invite you, everyone is invited to our IT Biz Tech Academy virtual graduation. Um, and so we are graduating 103 students that we educated this year for careers in customer service, um, tech and uh, technician, uh, project management, entrepreneurs, um, business uh, data analysts and uh, and uh, sales individuals. And so please join us. It's going to be online uh, through a Zoom webinar. And that's going to be October the 19th at 6 p.m. Please mark your calendars and you can get the link and register by going again to loveneverfillsuscom forward slash events. Um other than that, we have um, we have lots of ways that we're gonna be out in the in the community. We're gonna be doing something with a safe place later this month and black women revolt in San Francisco. So be looking out for that. Um and we just wanna make sure that you um, are you know, plugging in, you're getting involved and you are focused on uh, the work that um, we've been highlighting here today. And of course, I want to end the day uh, by just reminding you, if you hadn't heard it before and you need to hear it again, always remember that you
4: are loved.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio.